Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 363. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, and I am delighted to have with me on today's episode the one and only Irene Zemba, our resident Bossed Up's programs manager. And we're pulling back the curtain a little bit here on some of the HQ staff chat that we have every day here at Bossed Up. So welcome, Irene. I'm so thrilled to have you on the pod. Hi, Emily. So nice to be on the pod. So glad to have you here. I feel like this is the treat that all of our women in Bossed Up programs get to experience, right? Because once they're in Level Up or Speak Up or Hired, then they get to interface with you and, and you know, see the magic that is working with Irene. But we've been gatekeeping Irene from our podcast listeners. So today is the beginning of the end of that. We're not going to gatekeep. That's not what Bossed Up women do. So joining me on the podcast today to talk through uh, one of the the topics that's really kind of a classic tried and true bossed up theme is sustainable success and burnout prevention for 2022. So I'm really excited to have you here, Irene. Why don't you give folks listening a sense of um, your background and what you do here at Bossed Up? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, like you mentioned, I'm the programs manager here at Bossed Up, um, which means I do a lot of things. Um, I <laughs> am kind of our main customer service person. I make sure that all of our programs run within, uh, you know, our in-house programs and our work with organizations as well. I work with our trainers. I develop curriculum. I do a little bit of everything um, for Bossed Up, which probably informs some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and, uh, and my background is in higher education. I have a master's in student development administration. I worked for almost a decade um, at colleges and universities doing leadership programs, um, clubs and organizations, large-scale event management. Um, so I definitely bring kind of a curriculum design, leadership development type of approach to the work that we do. Yeah, and I'm so glad to have you on board. We hired, we hired you January of 2021. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Is that when you started? Yeah. And so you joined the team, and then two weeks later I said, surprise, I'm pregnant, <laughs> and I'm going to take a maternity leave, and somehow or another you're going to be running programs before I leave. Congrats on your future promotion that we need to get you to <laughs> ASAP, right? <laughs> and then that happened rather quickly by necessity. Uh, the last two years, man, honestly here at Bostop have been such a steep innovation curve that it can feel dizzying, exciting for sure, but a little nauseating at the same time. How, how has this past year been for you? I mean, we've been on that trajectory even after my little Max arrived and we've all just been bracing ourselves as we've kind of been taking off to new heights here at Bossed Up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of tough to be, to be frank. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think that something that we like everybody in Bostop really brings to you know our organization is that we really care about what we do, and I really care about our clients and kind of the work that we do. Um, but it's been hard this year because kind of yeah. you got back from maternity leave in January. And basically January to May just felt like a full out sprint at Bostop. Like we yeah. were getting so many more clients. We were, uh, you had a lot more speaking engagements. We were launching different programs. Like I felt like every couple of weeks basically. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, for me, I think that this year has been kind of wild because like I said, I'm sort of, I, I am the programs department right now. Right. Yeah. Not, soon to be yeah. not as we're working on hiring someone right. else to work with me. Um, but, you know, I really care about the work that we do and I want to show up well. And what that kind of looked like for me this year was honestly just sort of what felt like I was like sprinting to make sure that we were doing as best work as possible as we could yeah. for our clients like during this really hectic time. I mean, and I will own the fact that my mental capacity to boss up this year has never been lower, right? Sure. Because I've been going through the ringer at home <laughs> with a new little baby who was really struggling for way the hell longer than my maternity leave, right? It felt like six the first six months of Max's life, I was like barely functioning as a human being. Meanwhile, business is doubling. Meanwhile, you're holding our shit together because, like, you mentally knew that if you're not keeping track of it, I sure as hell am not. <laughs> and so I think that was, like, pretty intense. Like, it's been a really intense year. And certainly we can talk about how grateful we are for all of those things. And we want to usher in all of that, you know, continued success. But, my God, it has not been without some pain and strife. And suffering, yeah. dare I say, along the <laughs> sure, way. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I was a little more tired than usual um, for the That's first part That's a very deep year. understatement. That's a deep <laughs> understatement. I was like, if I don't hire someone that Irene can delegate to, like, I'm pretty sure she's going to implode. <laughs> and then we, we, we went on a retreat and we, like, really dug into that. Because um, you were pretty resistant at the concept of managing someone for a little while. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that for me, I'm sort of going through this reawakening with how I view myself. And I think I yeah. used to feel like I was a very go-with-the-flow kind of chill person. And what I really realized this year <laughs> is I am rigid and I am a control freak. And I'm afraid of giving things to other people because if I do it, I know <laughs> I'm doing it well, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, because I've been the whole programs department, I think it was really hard for me to think about bringing someone else in so that I wasn't touching every single piece of the work that I was doing. And, and I think. And concurrently you were drowning. Yeah. Oh, right? totally. So like, I mean, how many women in our community experience that, right? Like that is the challenge of the ascending leader, mm -hmm. the ascending first time manager is like. I have hit my capacity of how much shit I can keep tabs on. But the idea of delegating to others is wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, you know, finding that threshold and deciding mindfully how you want to deal with it, sometimes with the help of like talking it out with your supervisor or your team in general can be helpful, but is so universal to this, I think, ascending middle manager. Yeah. It's a really challenging time in one's career when you hit capacity and your choice is to just either keep piling it on and inevitably burn out or find a way 
to embrace managing others and delegation as a productivity yeah. strategy. Well, and and how many of the women like that go through our level up program have been like that, right? I feel like oh yeah, we at Bossed Up we work with so many women who I would put myself in this category are like highly talented, highly committed, really want to go the extra mile to make or the extra mile to make sure that it, yeah. it gets done and done well, right? Um, but sometimes that puts you at risk, right? <laughs> For like your own energy level, your own sense of like, can I stay engaged at work? And it also puts your company at risk too, because if there's this one person who frankly is probably doing more work than one person should be doing, then if that person yeah. leaves, then that organization is like, it's kind of screwed, right? Really shit out of like luck. Absolutely. You know, I remember the moment when it clicked for you <laughs> that like maybe hiring someone for you to manage is a good idea because I was pushing that on <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, you were. I was looking at the sales. I was looking at our revenues, which doubled year over year. And I was like, Irene's going to be in serious trouble if we don't start start making moves to hire people right now. And you were like, no, no, no. Just if I can just get through this week <laughs> is what you kept yeah. saying. If once I get to next week, once I get to next week, and then we collectively ran into a meme on Instagram yes. that said like, <laughs> "How many times are we just telling ourselves and completely fooling ourselves into thinking that next week things are going to calm down?" It's like finally we acknowledge that that is not a strategy for planning capacity, uh, and in fact, you know we need to make some significant changes to keep you from burning the fuck out. So how, how is that sort of, how have you thought about your energy management as a part of your professional development? Cause I know you went to um, invest in your leadership development with a conference hosted by Gala. Yeah. And it sounds like you really had a breakthrough moment there. I did. Yeah. So, uh, so I went to the Gallup at Work Summit, um, which took place virtually this year. And, you know, and Gallup does a ton of surveys around employee engagement. They do the, um, what used to be called the Strengths Finder. Now it's like the Gallup Top 5 Strengths. Um, and so this was a really interesting uh, conference that I went to with a lot of other coaches, with HR professionals, with people in like learning and development in different areas. Um, and one session, well, really what stuck out to me about the conference as a whole was how much people were talking about wellness, like employee yeah. engagement, burnout, wellness, like these were all over um, all, over. all over the schedule and the different topics and sessions. And, um, and it's clear like that mm -hmm. in 2022, right, two years after the pandemic started, that is such a critical issue for me, but for, I think, just the working world at large, right, particularly in this environment where people are rethinking what their relationship to work is as well. Mm -hmm. um, and something that uh, one really particular moment, I went to a training that was about kind of using your strengths to combat burnout. Um, but what really stood out to me was basically this graph about stress and your cognitive performance. So I'm going to do my best mm. to kind of describe this graph on a podcast. We'll also and we'll also yeah we'll put we'll put a link in today's corresponding blog post so that you can see the chart that you're about to describe too. But I love the the visual. I'm a visual learner too. So I remember when you presented your 
you know, whenever we at Bossed Up send anyone to invest in their professional development, we just ask that people bring those learnings home and kind of give us a little presentation. So I remember geeking out about this chart with you when you presented it to us. So give us the, give us sort of the big picture. Yeah. So, so basically this is like a, a chart that kind of measures your cognitive performance over different mm. levels of stress. So I just Googled what is the X and Y axis right before we started recording here <laughs> so I can appropriately <laughs> explain this to you. Um, so basically imagine a chart where the X axis, which is the horizontal one, is stress level, right? From low stress to very high stress. And then the Y axis, mm. the vertical one, is basically your cognitive performance, how you are able to kind of show up and be creative and think about things, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, which, yeah, because I always say when I'm talking about burnout is like, you know, you're really burnt out when something minor that you could usually figure out, mm -hmm. like I locked my keys in the car, which is annoying and frustrating, but not like the most overwhelmingly nuanced challenge in the world creates a total moment of panic, tears, you know, freak out, mental breakdown, like it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. That is that is my cognitive load is already maxed out for the day and totally. I no longer have the mental faculties to deal with this hiccup. Yeah. And that is yeah. definitely demonstrated in this chart from this presentation. So, so basically you can think there's like, it's basically a bell curve, right? So it kind of starts low, your cognitive performance is low, and then it kind of goes up and then goes back down. So there's sort of four quadrants. So the first one is low stress and is also kind of lower cognitive performance. So when you're really laid back, when you're really chill, you're not really being innovative. You're not really growing. You're just kind of there, right? Um, Which I think is surprising for people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it goes back to Dane Jensen, who I had on this podcast a year ago, who blew my mind when he was like, stress is not bad for you, Emily. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, a little bit of pressure is really good for your performance. So if you're, you know, sipping my ties in a, in a hammock on the beach, you might not be operating at your highest cognitive functioning. And that's fair. You know, that's a, that's a real, yeah. re, you know, relationship to stress. Well, stress is sometimes a little good for totally. us. Totally. And as someone who I feel like I'm very motivated by like deadlines and pressure and stuff like that, right? That really yeah. resonates with me that it's like when things are too relaxed and too loosey-goosey, like that's not when I do my best work, period. Mm. That's why we get along. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> um, so then that the second one, imagine like that line is going up, right? And so you are, you're getting more stressed out. You're experiencing more stress. But meanwhile, your performance, your cognitive performance is also going up. Um, and that level is called optimum stress, basically. So this is a level of stress where your body is like releasing dopamine. It's kind of really helping you kind of focus in, be thoughtful, be innovative, be growing. Um, and so that like little bit of stress that helps you move forward um, is actually helping your cognitive performance. Um, and so then the next category is called overload. So that, so that second category was optimum stress. This third one is overload. And that is when you start tipping over into too much stress. And basically the top mm. of that bell curve is right between optimum stress and overload. So the moment you go into mm. stress overload, your cognitive performance actually declines. Um, and that mm. is where you're going to kind of release cortisol, right? Like a stress hormone that kind of puts you more into fight or flight mode, can kind of shut down parts of your brain. Um, 
and you're you're like awake and active, but you're you're starting to kind of decline in terms of your kind of mental capacity and like yeah. ability to be creative. This is when you start missing details that you wouldn't normally miss, totally right. Like getting things wrong, you normally wouldn't be getting things wrong because you've gotten to the point where you're totally just thinking about so many things at once that you're not able to bring your attention to the things you need to. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. That's relatable. Yeah. (laughs) And then the fourth quadrant is just called burnout, right? And that is like when you are at the highest level of stress and your brain goes down to just as low as it was in the like really laid back, chill first category, Mm -hmm. right? Where you are experiencing anxiety and panic and anger, right? Like having those reactions to things that are really outside and your brain is not able to function the way it normally is and can totally move towards that like total burnout breakdown uh, like you were kind mm-hmm. of talking about earlier. So when you're kind of under the most stress, that's actually when you're performing basically the worst or like or comparatively yeah. with when you have no stress at all. That's like when um, sleep scientists relate driving without enough sleep as akin to driving while drunk. Yeah. Those two things feel like opposite ends of that bell curve, right? You might as well be sipping my ties on the beach because that's how well your brain is performing if you're super stressed out and <laughs> underslept and chronically burnt out. So yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You, I think when you presented this chart to us, there were four different colors. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. So basically green would have been the too little stress, the underload. Yellow is that optimum stress. Orange Mm. is the overload, like starting to get into overload, too much stress. And then red is that burnout area at the very end. Nice. So how do you think you or anyone can use this kind of chart or these different zones of stress to really reframe our relationship with the work on our to-do list and and the work before us. So to me, what really stood out to me about this chart is basically that like in our capitalistic culture, right, where it's like we need to be online 40 plus hours a week, like getting everything done, working at our highest level, is that like as a culture, we don't reward being in that yellow, like optimum stress box, right? We really reward Mm. when people are doing a million things, when you're overstretching yourself. And, um, and I mean, I even think like earlier this year when I was kind of full out sprinting to keep things going, like you totally were like, wow, you're doing great work. (laughs) Great job. Right. Um, Uh And so I think everybody does it naturally. Right. Because we're a part of a culture that really values like hyper productivity and focus and like all these types Mm -hmm. of things. And so what we're actually most likely doing is praising people when they're in that orange or even that red zone because they're doing Mm -hmm. all of the things, even if they're not doing them at their full cognitive capacity or like as thoughtfully as they could be. Um, And also basically to get feedback when you're in the orange or red zone, it's like your brain isn't ready for that, right? Your brain isn't ready to Mm. think thoughtfully about like, how do I want to do this different in the future or what is working and what isn't? You're just like fight or flight, go, 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 stressed out. Um, and yeah. and it's much easier to to mess up, right? <laughs> when you're in that kind yeah. of space and then you feel like it's your fault, right? Like you are being blamed for that. Yeah, I remember, you know, we, I think as your manager, this is such a fun conversation <laughs> to have on air, first of all. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. But like, 
I remember when we were sort of struggling with this dual reality, which was, Irene, I want you to be focusing on this deep thinking work, this strategic planning work that I need you to be on on top of because that, you know, that future that I'm always worried about is going to be here before we know it. And I need you to be optimized for that. You know, I need you to be thinking at that strategic level. And you're looking at me and saying, Emily, look at all the stuff that I have to deal with. That is like, I have to get these things done because I have this high volume of tactical work. And I'm thinking, that is true and bad. Yeah. <laughs> because I need you to be, I need you to be doing this, not that. And I was like, that's why we should have hired someone already. You know sure, what I mean? Yeah. But it's it's so rare that you can hire someone and time it all so perfectly that you stay out of the red zone. Totally. And in that, you know what I mean? And, and frankly, so many people don't have the option to just say, I need a coworker. Yeah. Make I that mean, happen, a lot of businesses you know? would just say, well, it's working, right? It's happening. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and I, so how do you know, like, how do you deal with that when that happens? Like, how do you stay out of the red zone? Yeah. Well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how, like, this for me is something that is both external, right? Like there's the culture reinforcing it. But for me, honestly, so much of the work I've been doing has been my internal self, right? Because not mm. only is like our like work obsessed capitalist world into being in the orange or red zone, like I am into being in that zone too, right? Um, how yeah. many staff meetings have we had where you have said, I mean, what's your plan for the day? And I've named like 15 things. And then you're like, hey, that's probably <laughs> not realistic, right? Like <laughs> I have yeah. expectations for myself and for what success looks like for myself that are just pretty unrealistic and out of touch with the mm -hmm. actual ability that I have to show up and like be creative and be productive every yeah. day in a way that is sustainable. I mean Totally. It's so funny because I'm holding a copy of my book, Bossed Up, in my hands right now, which came out in 2019. And so it feels a little bit like, I don't know if I feel annoyed or validated or vindicated that burnout and women is now like the topic that we're seeing at Gallup. We're seeing Deloitte's Women at Work 2022 survey basically reinforce burnout as the top issue facing women at work. And I'm like, yeah, we've been talking about trying to be sustainable for a while now. <laughs> like... This is, you know, the martyrdom mindset at work, yeah. as I call it, right? Like we are our own worst enemies because we've absorbed that burnout culture that's all around us. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's not to blame ourselves entirely, right? We've absorbed a culture that has reinforced always working as the badge of busyness that we should be wearing with pride. And, you know, in fact, being realistic and getting out of what I call aspirational planning. Yeah you know, with your capacity being a totally warped sense of self is so universal. It's something I struggled with for a long time and continue to do or to struggle with today. But, you know, it's so everywhere now. Yeah. It's, it's surprising. So what do you, what would you advise folks listening to do differently? Yeah. Like how can we be our own best friends when it comes to setting ourselves up for sustainable success. Yeah. So, so this is all a work in progress. This is stuff that I have been kind of practicing and working on over the last little bit because things have slowed down for us a little bit. And we, I, I mean, we talk about work culture all the time and how we can improve our own workflow, our culture kind of as a group. Um, so for me, I think it starts with the first thing is really being realistic about how much time your job takes. 
So mm -hmm. when I am aspirationally saying, I'm going to get these 15 things done, it's like cut that in half or more, right? We yeah. tend to underestimate how long things will take us. I believe it's by al almost half. Um, and yeah. we also don't seem or don't like plan for all the things that are going to go wrong in a day. Uh, so, yeah. so it's really easy to say, yeah, I should be able to get all this stuff done in a perfect world. But realistically, you can't actually get that stuff done. Mm -hmm. So, And here at Bossed Up, we track our time pretty meticulously. Have you found that that's enabled you to like look back analytically on, the, on how you're spending your time? Yeah, because, you know, my job has some of those really deep thinking that you were talking about. And then it also just has like a lot of admin and like logistics tasks. And it's really easy for me, especially with those little like low thought tasks yeah. to underestimate. And I will sometimes go back and be like, okay, I onboarded the new level up cohort that day. And then I look at my time tracker and I'm like, oh shit, that, that took me five hours, <laughs> right? Like, that, <laughs> yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily feel to me like I was like the most productive ever because mentally I put it in a bucket of like, oh, I finished this one right. small task when really it like had a lot of subtasks and I had to get a lot of stuff done to check it off. Yes, and hopefully, you know, through our programs, we're equipping others to sort of bring that same level of not necessarily granularity, but um, thoughtfulness into how we're estimating our time. Yeah, I think it's thoughtfulness and it's also like going easy on yourself too. Because, yeah. you know, I really relate to when we, we talk about imposter syndrome a lot, right? And one of the kind yeah. of things that can lead to imposter syndrome is this idea that you feel like everybody else is at your level, right? And so many of the women that we work with, I can tell are like so talented, over-functioning, like really bringing their best selves. And it's really easy to judge yourself on like the ruler of like how you think other people are doing but if you're really fantastic like that's not really a fair judgment right so it's really easy to be hard on yourself <laughs> to think that you should have to yeah. like be able to get a million things done but really being able to kind of be realistic about what you can actually accomplish and then also recognize that not every single check on your to-do list is going to feel like a big win if i'm spending a day reading articles about leadership and trying to deepen our knowledge base for our clients like that isn't going to be something that I'm like, wow, I checked off this big task at the end of the day, but that doesn't yeah. mean it's not productive. And so also kind of reframing right. what you feel like is productive um, because you get that like dopamine hit from checking off the checkbox yeah. and that's not always realistic with every task. I'm going to save that audio clip and play it for you when you start to feel bad about your productivity. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, listen to this brilliant woman on this great podcast, share how to be more compassionate with ourselves. Like, I'm going to play that back for you. I'm going to keep it That's on That's fair enough. I know, I know I'm often hard on myself, which is why I'm trying to give so much attention to this part of my life yeah. and like building something that feels sustainable. I love that. So I, I see here sort of another key point you want to hammer home yeah. in this conversation around work-life balance is basically doing what we are doing right now, which is normalizing having this kind of a conversation, not just with your girlfriends, not just with your partner or bestie, but like at work with your boss, with your manager, with your colleagues. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I think a big part of staying out of that like stress zone where you're like in burnout, in breakdown mode is to yeah. take care of yourself the way that you kind of need to be taken care of personally. 
particularly in our capitalist society, which is so focused on like slaying to-do lists and going to work, being fully focused on that, not having any personal needs. Uh, It's really important to realize that like you also, like even when you're at work or throughout a normal week, you are going to have things that can really make your energy kind of be refilled, make yourself feel better. Um, because if we're only ever like pulling from our energy bank and not refueling it, mm-hmm. then that is kind of a one-way ticket to burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what we do here at Bossed Up is we talk about kind of what our goals are and what we need to do to take care of ourselves. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've recently started uh, doing these like dance fitness classes <laughs> and uh, and I will log off for an hour in the middle of the day and I will do this, um, you know, little fitness class. And then I feel like super energized, right? Because yeah. I'm able to do something that is important for me. Okay. Time out. Cause I want to call you out on this for a second, because I know when Anna joined the team, we were onboarding Anna and sort of explaining our metrics for success and how we measure performance and how we really truly mean it when we say whatever you need to do in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon is totally fine like I have a drum lesson every other Tuesday afternoon you're doing dance Zumba or whatever you know and and I remember you saying Anna it took me about a year to think that Emily was serious about that but she is like tell me about what was that all about? Right. So, I mean, that's, again, like internalizing the world around you, right? Because we, as a business, probably talk more about sustainable success, goals, taking care of yourself, all that kind of stuff, yeah. like more than 99% of other workplaces. And right. you spent my first year telling me like, yeah, it's flexible. Take care of yourself. Do what you need. <laughs> um, but I was like so it, it was so ingrained in me to feel like, no, I yeah. have to just be so focused at work. I have to be in my chair for exactly eight hours a day, like doing yeah. exactly, you know, this thing that um, it took me a while to trust what you were saying. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I had come from a background of working in places where it really was the like measure of your work was like, are you sitting in your chair eight hours a day? Are you doing oh things God. for this? Like, drives me nuts. Totally. Yeah. And so we live in this culture that encourages you towards burnout. Like we work 40 hours a week. That's a lot. Right. And I the know. balance of work and life is, you know, work life balance is always hard because frankly, we're at work way more often in our waking hours. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think to me what is so important about this is like normalizing that people need other things to feel well during the work week. Um, and you know, I, I think about our client last year that we did a burnout series for and, and one of their like high up leaders, we were chatting with him ahead of a, a workshop mm-hmm. via Zoom, and we noticed that he had a Peloton bike in the back of his like right. Zoom room. We asked him about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I log off. I like I do my Peloton rides. I take care of myself." And we asked him like, "Do any of your staff members know that?" And I think the answer was no. Um, no, it was absolutely not. right. Yep. And so it's like we might be individually doing these things to take care of ourselves, but bringing them into the culture, really talking about them at work is the thing that really helps it be like, Oh, this isn't a bad thing that I'm doing. This isn't me letting it down. Even my like boss's boss's boss takes some time in the day to take care of themselves to like refuel their energy. So, which is a a very radical thing you're saying, because that public reveal of self-care, investing in your own sustainability unabashedly 
is radical in a capitalist society. Totally. Right? Because it feels counterculture. It feels risky. People are afraid to do that for obvious reasons and sometimes for very real risks that they face. But like if we all just secretly take care of ourselves or publicly don't take care of ourselves, that becomes the perpetuated status quo. Yeah. So it's like what we're saying here is, look, you do need to take a little bit of personal risk here to be unapologetic about investing in yourself as part of your workplace strategy and ideally also still hit your deadlines while taking those Peloton bike rides in the middle of the day because that changes culture. That's the argument I make in my book is that the culture we're living in sucks when it comes to this, but we also contribute to that culture. So we are both, you know, victimized by it and complicit in perpetuating it. So I think the radical act here is to actually not just take care of yourself personally and professionally, but do so publicly. Totally. And and that's why I want to call particularly on the managers and leaders that are you know listening yeah. right now, because you have more power in this situation, right? You can model Fact. this behavior for your teams, for your other colleagues. Um, and that is what makes culture change, right? Like particularly when folks towards the top kind of normalize these conversations, that's kind of what's going to move the needle on that culture quicker. You just gave a good call to action here um, for all the managers and leaders listening. How can all of us sort of celebrate sustainable success and not perpetuate martyrdom culture? Yeah. So to me, this is making time to really celebrate yourself and celebrate your colleagues before they are in the orange or red zone, right? In our culture, Mm. it's so easy to be like, I am going to be like, great job, girl. If there's someone who is like full out sprinting at work, handling a million things and keeping it together, right? And we all do that. It's natural. I mean, I think you did that for me earlier this week, right? But what I really- You got it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But what I really want to challenge everyone to do is say, how can I both like internally celebrate myself or externally with like, you know, a mani-pedi or something or celebrate the people around me, celebrate my colleagues when I see them doing good work that is not full out sprinting, right? When they are in that Mm -hmm. yellow zone where they're a little stressed, but they're growing and they're learning, they're doing good work, they're taking care of their work, but they're not like- totally on the edge of, of burning out. Um, and yeah. I, I think that t- takes a real shift because I know for me, a lot of the work I'm doing personally right now is thinking about what is enough work to do, right? Like what is reasonable yeah. in terms of what I am, you know, providing for Bossed Up and for our clients, but also yeah. feeling sustainable myself. Um, and I think it's a really internal journey, right? That takes a lot of self-reflection, yeah. that takes a lot of like that time tracking, figuring out like what is actually reasonable to be a part of my job and what are reasonable goals for me to hit. Um, so it's partly that internal work. And then it's partly the other work mm-hmm. of like when you see people that are hitting their marks, but like aren't necessarily full out yeah. sprinting, how can we celebrate that as well? Okay. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we really do well here is that we talk a lot about like workflow and how people are feeling. So we're able to really authentically say like, hey, this is kind of a week where I'm feeling a little like my energy is a little lower. I don't know that I'm going to produce at the same rate. Or like this is a week where I'm feeling really hyped up. And then kind of learning the lessons that we can from those different times to say like, Mm -hmm. 
what is helpful for us. Like, cause each of us is such yeah. an individual in terms of like how our mm. energy waxes and wanes, what kind of workflow works best for us. So I think doing some of that kind of internal reflection on like, what mm. can I expect for myself? How can I celebrate balancing the personal and professional and then bringing that to the workplace and celebrating other mm. people? Um, like being like, Hey Kirby, it's awesome that you're taking cello lessons. And like, Anna, it's awesome that you like went out and did this cool event, right? So yeah, like, acknowledging those wins alongside the yeah. wins of saying like, hey, you're doing a really great job here and this program is running really well, even if it's yeah. not like, wow, we've changed everything and we're like full yeah. out, um, you know, going at our max capacity. Yeah, I love that we do get to know a lot about our goals outside of work, right? What is one thing you want to leave our listeners thinking about about today's conversation? Yeah, I think the one thing is just taking your work life into your own hands a little bit, right? It's really easy to let everybody else around us or kind of, you know, our bosses or whoever kind of decide what is sustainable for you and uh, kind of what you think you should or what they think you should be capable of or whatever but to really yeah. kind of empower you to look at your work life and go, what is working here? What isn't? Am I in the orange or the red zone? Do I need to really revisit what my goals are? Um, and then to think about advocating for yourself need where you need to, um, which can be really hard. And it's a whole other conversation outside of this I one, know. right? But um, yeah. but I don't want to let have anyone let other people determine what is success yeah. for you or like what is sustainable Amen. for you? Um, Cause I love, yeah. That. I, I just want to like subscribe right now to the Irene podcast, <laughs> which we joke about all the time in our, in our accountability calls and level up and all of our programs. People are like, yes, Irene preach. <laughs> and so having you on the pod with me is an, a long overdue win of my week already. Uh, so we're going to have to make it happen again soon. Irene Zemba, thank you so much for being here. For all of those wonderful nuggets of wisdom that Irene shared today, you can head to our show notes page at bossedup.org slash episode 363. That's bossedup.org slash episode 363. And Irene, I'm going to have to have you back on the pod real soon so we can keep the conversations going. But until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose, and together we'll lift as we climb. <laughs>